<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to that time of the time of the year, time of the decade. It's something we do this twice a decade. And I think I've marked every year's selection to some degree or the other, whether it was partying or getting drunk or running up to Leicester Square when uh, Barack Obama was elected and nobody was there. <laughs> that was a standout moment for us. But it just seems we're coming up to the next election. It's taking place on the 3rd of November. We might not know the results until the 4th of November. And I figured let's get together and have a quick chat about this because some people, the US election uh, matter. Some people, it doesn't seem to matter at all. But I think this election's important in a few ways that might affect the UK. Um, and it might affect, the, you know, how future policies are rolled out in the UK government. Because what nobody seems to notice, I think, is that this government has started copying a lot of what Trump's done um, a lot more subtly. But they've started copying a lot of things that Trump says and does. Um, and I think if you have another Trump victory, which I think is incredibly possible, which a lot of people are playing down, that he might, he might lose. But I, I think the odds are that he'll win. Americans don't tend to get rid of their, their presidents in their midterms. I think they've only done it three times. And I think people have underestimated how crazy some of the uh, American electorate are who seem to enjoy Trump's tantrums and meanness and horribleness. And they revel in it. So I, I think we're, we're entering interesting times. I think it feels like the end of an era to a degree in terms of politics. But I, I, I hope I it is. I hope it is an end of an. Own. I hope it is an end of an era. <laughs> I do hope it's end of an era. I, I don't know. Here to join me to discuss this are the amazing <laughs> two of the most beautiful. I at the moment you've got no video, but I wish you could have the video because it is hard to see who's who at the moment. <laughs> but they are two of the most beautiful men I know. Two of my two good 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 friends of mine who jumped on to do the first election special podcast we're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to James. Hello there, how's it going? And TC, say hello, chaps. Bonjour. So um, I just want to get your initial feelings on this, James. What's your initial take on the election? I, I, I personally just see horror and chaos and, and, and potential civil war looming, but not on a full-on civil war, just like handbags at dawn sort of civil war, lawyers, um, um, protesters, that sort of civil war, as opposed to like full-on weaponry. Um, what's, your, what's your take? What's your initial feel on the US elections? You know, you know what? It's fear. It, it's it's fear that it will continue in this new normal status quo of lies and fabrication and confusion and chaos and market values being the driving force over and above human rights. It's you know, it's it's just almost an internalized quiet panic that the world is has descended from being well, having a powerhouse of a nation that you know everyone wanted to emulate you know i i grew up in the 80s and 90s and the u.s was it was the place i wanted to see new york i wanted to be there and be part of it be, be everything and i I'm, it's really sad to think that that and it's hard to even believe it in my own head. I'm thinking, you know what? I, I, I don't think I'd ever want to go back to the U.S. again. Um, now I've got 
got such a disdain for the <clears throat> utter stupidity um, of its leadership and the trickle-down mentality into the unfortunate souls that have ended up with uh, that those patterns of thinking that he is some sort of some sort of god to them. He's he's their voice, but he's actually the voice of trauma in my mind. He's he's the voice of um, disruption to the 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 forward thinking continuously improving human species it, it it's devastating that's where i am with this he's more he's more like what monty python warned us of he's not the messiah he's just a naughty boy <laughs> that seems to get away from he's <laughs> worse than a naughty boy though <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> he is he, he very much is tc what's your initial takes on this, this election have you been following it at all or well, yeah, it's hard not to, isn't it? It's hard not to. Um, uh, so, what America? So, so America's gone through a bit of a from 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 my point of view. When I was a kid, yeah, Top Gun made me want to be a pilot, and uh, Superman wanted, made me want to buy Superman, and then you know, Goodfellas want, made me want to be a gangster. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you're right. The U.S. time exported hope. To, to everyone across the world, because it was the country where, as an immigrant, you could make it. Mm. And then something happened. I think it was uh, I think it was in late nineties, um, and it was basically they were bombing a lot of countries in the M- Middle East, and they were taking action. I think the uh, was it the was it Kuwait was the first bit where it sort of started going. There was this sort of oppression thing going, and uh, they were in Afghanistan as well. And then they sort of they they became less popular. I remember them being less popular. I remember watching Rambo three. Um, <laughs> so they were this, this pinnacle. I've got to say everything for me is about movies, but um, they, 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 they lost this beautiful arc where they were the, this, you know, hope bringers after the second world war, they broke hope, you know, they were liberators and suddenly they became presses. And then that their presence didn't really assist. They sort of assisted that, that sort of dialogue until Barack Obama. And I'm not saying that what he did in policy was better than anyone else or worse than anyone else. I'm saying that they, because he was the first black president that he suddenly exported actually America is the place where an immigrant or... Because um, obviously his, his father was an immigrant and um, basically he was born in Hawaii, wasn't he? And he made it, he came up through the ranks but basically by... But working hard by being, you know, an intelligent chap, who put his will to it. He became president of the United States, and that was hope, absolutely hope. Did wonderful yeah. things for the for their healthcare system, and obviously, then the pendulum swung. We got we got Donald Trump, and we got Brexit, and we got Boris here, let alone Bolsonaro and what happened in Italy. Um, and I, I've always thought that things things go in the swing, don't they? Things swing. Um, I'm really hoping that we're right, that we're, the pendulum's going to start going the other way now and we're going to come out of this hate science bullshit on the internet, um, conspiracy th- theories, um, where, as, as James said, where basically capitalism, oh, I've got nothing against capitalism. I like buying stuff. I like making money. But I am aware that I'd rather pay taxes to help people less fortunate than myself and my children were born three months premature. Had they not been in their chest, they'd be dead. 
So stuff like that, it is fucking essential that we pay taxes and look after each other. Socialism. I'm not, I'm not a communist. I'm, I'm, I'm a socialist in that way. But I, I like making money and I, I want people to be, enjoy their money. I just want them to pay their fair share. If this yeah. happens, if, which, as you said, Curtis, in your introduction, if he wins, which I think more likely than people give out. By the way, I've been on the wrong end of everything I've predicted for the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been on, no, no. I think, I think he will win. Um, but I thought Boris would win as well. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, 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 now, I, now, I'm I'm now I'm really hoping your your prediction is no, like like you said, you've been wrong yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I've got the scary feeling that no, no, go, go, go. I was going to say if 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 um, the guy win, I think we're, predicted we're, every correct president. Sorry, the guy who's predicted every correct president since the sixties has predicted that Donald Trump's going to win. So I, this is why I think he's actually going to win. I think what may change is the <laughs> Democrats might get both houses. And that will change everything. That will effectively turn Trump into a lame duck president. And and that may be the, the, the start of a change. But I, I honestly don't know. I don't have much hope out there, just simply because of what I've seen this week. Things that I never thought I'd see in America in modern America, the type of things I would have thought I'd seen in maybe the 50s, um, maybe, maybe maybe the 60s, but campaign campaign buses being um, people trying to force campaign mm-hmm. buses off the road, um, bridges being closed by Trump supporters, yeah, especially around Democratic states, uh, voter intimidation, voter suppression, like the voter suppression going on is on a massive industrial scale and nobody seems willing to do anything about it. And those are the sort of tools which, although a lot of people I've spoken to in the UK don't seem to care about the US election, I'm seeing the British government already starting to use similar language. So bringing in the IDs for people to vote is something that, that Trump started doing that when he first got into power, talking about IDs and voter fraud. Um, which is was a tool for voter suppression. Um, also, the the um, I think the current government's current health minister is anti-abortion, um, and there's little things like that that are starting to creep into uh, the the British language. So the anti-Black Lives Matter stance, which is something that the American government took and ran with. No other government in Europe has, apart from the UK government, turned around and gone, we don't want anything to do with Black Lives Matter. Um, that's of great concern to me. And also, like I said, their stance on the NHS, they've never been clear on how they feel about it. Boris only just combed his hair today. Mm. Um, in terms of, if you, if you watch the videos, it's the first time he's actually combed his hair when he was talking about uh, the lockdown coming up. There's a lot of um, language that Trump's been using and the Republicans have been using, which is starting to creep into British politics. And that's of great concern to me, not just as a, as a black man, um, but also as somebody who potentially might want to have kids one day. Um, you're both fathers. How does, you know, seeing this sort of thing happen? Have you noticed the language creep um, coming into the UK politics? Have you noticed the... Um, 
the way that Trump's behaviours become acceptable as men. And I know you're both very open-minded guys. You're very, very, pro not horribly protective parents, but you look after your kids. You love your children. What does it say to you when you see, you know, the, the sort of Trump as popular as he is in the States and somebody like Boris as popular as he is in the UK, somebody who's adulterous, somebody who you know, has lied pretty much to anybody he's had anything to do with. How does that sit with you as, as fathers and parents? Um, and how do you explain, how will you explain it to your kids as they get older? That's a tough question. Feel free not to answer it. <laughs> but how does that sort of effect stand with you guys? If you want to, um, James, do you want to take it first? Yeah, cool. So I, I, I guess I, I take a stance with parenting. So let's talk about a bit of parenting first, and then I'll I get on to how I would handle a viewpoint like that. Because, you know, I, I, I've got a daughter who is seven at the moment. And so, you know, that, that kind of language, is it is it coming into her um uh into her ears no it's not you know it, it, it's just not around so you know f from from that point of view she's shielded from it if she was 16 17 18 then you know these kinds of things and maybe the more bolshy 15 to 18 year old boys would you know think it's okay because they're hearing things like grab them by the pussy and blah 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 coming from the highest uh, levels of leadership uh, globally, which uh, w would be a major problem. But, you know, m my stance would always be that the sensitivity that you have as an individual is actually down to me as a parent. So the susceptibility for you to have um, some uh, internalized emotional reaction to something that's happening externally to you and somebody saying those things to you um, is actually something for you to to work on because um, your stance on it shouldn't necessarily come from an emotional uh, emotional place and so what I'm saying is is not to be um, uh, for it. it it's absolutely against it but but it's a case of recognize it understand it understand the right and wrong of it and especially the wrong of it understand the discriminatory language that's being used and then you know if there's a a way of doing something about it go out and do something about it and be empowered empowered to know that you're looking at somebody who is essentially maybe got some mental health issues because they feel that that's that's a correct way of conducting themselves and and it's getting so so much to to the point of being normalized in you know a, a young man's language i guess or or it could depending on what's acceptable or not or, or within within their world within you know their their whole um friendship base and their peers and their family and you know what they're allowed to get away with and saying and what they're hearing so they they actually think it's probably okay to say those things when um it, it's not about whether or not the individual that's saying it uh uh, perceives themselves to be wrong it's the person that's hearing it it's the person that, that it's um i'm going into the mind of it's their perception of whether or not this is right or wrong not that individual and so i would uh, uh, train my my family and my my daughter to recognize it understand it call it out and then do something about it through the correct channels because I think one of the problems here is the moment that you uh, then start uh, mud slinging back at the people that, that don't even know they're slinging mud, 
you know, you, you also end up getting dirty, but then, you know, it's used against you. It's, it's almost like, oh, now, now you're calling me out. That's because you're, you're a leftist, Antifa, this, that, the other. And, you know, th- nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, you've got to take a very, very reasoned and careful stance, but with awareness and, uh, if anything remove yourself from those people and if you want to do something more set up a, a group but don't um, react in the moment to those individuals I mean that that's my stance on it and of course it's completely wrong that's how I'd manage it as a parent anyway so I'll put myself on mute there. Um, I think there's a lot of truths in there and I think for myself I do try, like, I I don't have any kids, but I do try and be adult a lot of the time. But I find it harder and harder online these days because there's so much organised hate online and that's been normalised sort of through trans behaviour to a degree. But I think the fight against online bullying has failed now. Um, I know they've gotten rid of some of the bigger hateful voices out there. But even something basic, I saw a story where somebody got run over and people were trolling, like, out of nowhere, trolling on this story. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. It was just a traffic accident. Um, I think a hit and run. But people were already creating arguments online about it. And I was like, why? Why is anybody... Why is there... And I think that that's where the truth comes in. And to a degree, I need to step back sometimes and not call people bottom feeders. I just can't help it, James. <laughs> I can't help it. And they deserve to be smacked around a bit on mine. Um, and for me, especially, I think I can't stand seeing people bullied uh, online. Um, I know what it's like to be a bully and I know what it's like to be bullied as well. And I think it's a sticking point for me that I hate seeing people bullied online. Um, and I've got a big-ish story about that in a moment. But Tone, how do you approach it? Well, my my kids are three. No, they're, not, they're four. That's how good a parent I am. Um, <laughs> so, so, so this this means nothing to them uh, at the moment. And um, I, th- I think it's, it, uh, the the basics here for me are you know they're four. So the basics are honesty. Don't tell lies. What's the right thing to do? Would you like someone to do that to you? You know, um, and the, the like, your founding pillars of of what you're trying to achieve as a parent. Am I good at it? I don't know. We'll find out, eh? Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, my other half's coming in. I do apologise. Um, so, so basically, I'll try and teach them. The basics I could do is try and teach them about honesty. Um, think about how other people feel, and actually, if you can sort of put yourselves in their place, you might try and understand why they're being this negative individual. And if you can't figure it out, there's probably deeper underlying issues. Now, am I telling them to kick off? No, but you've got to judge it. Um, and, and, and that's one of the reasons that we're, well, not now, but we're sending them to like a, a jujitsu class. Do you know what I mean? So even, even at four, if someone tries to hurt them or something, they can take care of themselves. Now, I don't, I don't want to say we should go to violence immediately. I'm saying that that basically I'm trying to teach them to be able to look after themselves and not just, not just physically, but mentally, you know, if they're confident they can look after themselves physically, then mentally they should be there as well. You know what I mean? So, so it's trying to build, build that rounded human being. I mean, I've got, I've got a daughter and I've got a son. So it's, it's, 
you worry about them in completely different ways. But for me, the fundamental principle must be honesty. Honesty must be their first and most key attribute. And from that, we can work on everything else. I don't know if, uh, if that's what you wanted, but that's what I'm trying to achieve with them. And I, trying. I don't know I, if it will work. I always ask for honesty. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw something in here. It's not necessarily around parenting, but, but it's the whole concept of what honesty is anymore. And I, th I think that that has been absolutely eroded because of um, this administration over in the US. And if you're seeing the trickle down, which is the, you know, Boris is taking that language and so the people and the whole idea of, you know, uh, it's either nepotism or people have certain sets of uh, very strong belief mechanisms that work in the favor of the, the, the individual in power, be it Boris or, or Donald. Um, then they, they are eroding what honesty means because in the mind of uh, maybe that slightly deranged individual, deranged to you and me maybe, um, they're speaking complete honest, honesty and truth. So um, then how do you differentiate between, you know, a textbook that's been written by somebody that, that's a, a perceived truth compared to a textbook that is the scientific truth? And, and then we as parents have to navigate around, you know, what is going into the minds through the, the schooling system and then culturally and all these other things before they end up going, you know what, dad, I, I, you, I think you're wrong. You know, what's really going on is this and this is honesty. And so I'm being really honest to you. And I'm like, you know what, you can be really honest, but th there's also the case of it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, and so your truth said in, in this aggressive manner, which um, is a deviation from maybe being calm, thoughtful, understanding, and realizing that maybe the truth of us as human beings is being um, shielded from us from birth by the very culture and the mechanisms that we, uh, that we live in currently in the West, because um, there is no teachings of the other ways. There is no thought about it. I mean, you know, do you think Donald Trump uh, meditates? You know, it's, it's, there's nothing there. there. There is no, you know, what, what, what about, um, you know, veganism? just to throw it out there to go to the extreme what what mm. about the benefits of all the things that are scientifically proven mm. you know it's just not there and therefore um because of policy and legislation and the people that that have a market interest in manipulating things like the food pyramid for god's sake then you know the truth becomes a uh, very different than uh, having it genuinely say that red meat is a class a carcinogen um, that shouldn't be eaten by humans you know it's just like um but the truth is mm. meat tastes good the truth is i like it the truth <laughs> is um i feel happy when i take it you know it's like what so so the the honesty yeah, um, that, that's truth isn't it the tr you're, truth you're and honesty honest spectrum. Being truthful. isn't it being well, true to your is it being truth to yourself so you've got meat right and you've got a vegan okay but whole vegan meat issue, yes, there's medical reasons why you shouldn't eat lots of meat, but that's the same reason you shouldn't eat lots of anything. Do you know what I mean? That, that's, no, that, that, that falls, that wait, that falls well. apart. Like, um, if, you, if you want this podcast to go a bit longer, I'll jump, jump right like, in there on, on what you just said. That's <laughs> absolute hogwash. 
<laughs> Come on. It's like it's like if you the whole, there are medical reasons not for eating lots of meat, but there's no medical reasons for never eating meat. Yes, there are. Okay. Uh, now the vegan case. <laughs> yes, there oh, are. Really? All right. Well, we can no, we can do that. Listening on the podcast, right? But hear me out. Hear me. Hear, hear me out. The the vegan argument for not eating meat is isn't it a, a moral one, as opposed to those scientific reasons for eating meat or not? It's a moral. Depends one. who you are. Life. What 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 what? So so, Curtis. Um. I know we're getting like bogged down with the whole like kind of kind of meat thing, but but this is more about <laughs> right. more, more about perceived, perceived honesty. This is this is perceived honesty, and maybe this is quite mm. a good argument to yeah. as an analogy to to what we're talking about rather than the actual thing, because um, you you mm. say well honestly, James, um, meat in moderation. Uh, is actually good for you. That's I, I, I'm telling you the truth, and I, I'm yeah. that's my honesty. Where, whereas then there's my honesty saying, you know what, uh, I I I have read or discovered or done courses on uh, things that will contradict that, and that's my honesty. Mm. So therefore, if you take that yeah. to a macro level of governmental policy, um, that then is being fed into what what I think you're trying to make the link of going into the younger person's mind of what they perceive to be their leaders. Then you know how is that affecting those individuals' honesty? And to, to take the whole meat thing out of it, but it, it, it's it it is about um, the the perception of you know what is fake, what is truth, what is honest, what is dishonest, yeah. and that that whole um, balance between you know what is the actual truth and mm. then the perceived truth has been fundamentally shifted and will not recover. For I, many, I many terms, years. True. I, I think in terms of how we interact with information, I think you can have many truths and still have a, a, a sort of either balanced discussions or debates about it and come to some sort of conclusion. I think what the Trump generation have done, it says nothing matters except what matters to us. Um, to the point that it doesn't matter if you're an American. If you don't believe in anti-abortion, you don't matter. If you don't believe that only a Republican Party is, is a Christian Republican Party is, is the right way to go, that's all that matters. I think that's different from the truth of, of from other types of truths because it, it's it's saying that nothing else matters apart from my truth. Nothing else matters apart from what I say. Um, and I think that's where you know but where we are that's where the difficulty yeah. is now. So for instance. We look at the US elections and go, you know, the Americans are silly, we'd vote Biden, why would anybody vote Trump? But really, if we were living in the States, would any of us vote Biden? You know, would any of us vote Democratic? Democratic isn't, the Democratic Party isn't a, it's a centre-right center party. It's not really a centre-left party, although underneath its banner, it's got lots of leftists in there. Mm. But I don't think any of us would really support, really support that party if we were living in the States. And I think I that's the what other choice would you have, America, Chris? We... I, I don't know, Tony. I really, really don't know. Look at it. At the moment, I'd say I'd probably vote Biden out of desperation. But at the same time, you know, the biggest, the one of the reasons Trump got in is because of the, the power of the status quo. And nobody's really spoken about that. They had a massive, wide range of people that they could have. Um, put up against Trump, but they went with Biden. 
which says a lot about where American politics are, in my view, that actually the problem isn't Trump, it's that the opposition to Trump just isn't really cohesive. It's not really there. It's, it hasn't really given the American people any reason to be enthused about him the way that, uh, that uh, Barack Obama did. Um, and Barack Obama came along. I know people who lived in Jersey who got on planes, flew to the States to support Barack Obama's campaign. They did door knocking. They went to towns. They did stuff like that. And I don't think Biden's that guy. And there are big problems with him. Um, honestly, I'd probably vote for him if I was in the States. I'm not an absolute, you know, I'm an absolutist. But I think there are problems, which is why I think Trump's going to win. Um, that Biden does still represent the establishment and everything Americans dislike about politics. Um, and he's a celebrity. You know what I mean? He's a wrestler. You know, Republicans seem to like that in spite of his adultery and all the rest of it. They love his, his celebrity. But that's that's just me. I don't know. How do you, do you guys... Do, uh, you know, am I saying what I'm saying making... Is what I'm saying making sense? It's like the problem isn't that Trump's not popular... Is that the Democrats just aren't popular enough? Um, their opposition to him isn't popular enough, and they I, haven't put anybody forward that's galvanised the public. Well, I, I I think they've put someone forward that it is a known entity, as in he was the vice president under Barack Obama. So um, is he as a um, potentially divisive character for that party in the rest of America as Barack Obama? No, he, he, he's the, um, uh, the, the, the karma choice, if you, if, if you like, because it, it's and it's not even the antithesis of uh, of Trump. It's a by the way. This guy is a major liability. Let's go with someone who is actually the calm, sure bet that will continue with all of the Depends. country's interests. Um, uh, and mm. um, you won't have such extreme rhetoric coming out of the White House, which has devastating and lethal effects. Um, I, I guess that's my take on it. And, mm. and I, I, in fact, I do know people that have uh, decided to fly back to the US just to vote for Biden. And, you know, I, after watching mm. the the um, pandemic documentary about uh, Trump's mismanagement that was on the BBC last night, uh, you, you realize mm. that it, it, it is so incredibly mismanaged and it's about brand management and perception um, and we can't come back to that that mm. uh, idea of honesty that, that he can um, effectively pull the wool over um, so many people's eyes is is really sad. But but then what's even sadder are that there are people out there that absolutely think this way and can't see any other way and are vehemently and violently against it. Um, even to the point where you know people are fighting in the streets and people are being killed. Um, for saying to customers to have to wear a mask in uh, in a shop, mm. actually, people have been sh gunned down and killed because of that that stuff. And you find out in this pandemic documentary the reason why the CDC um, put out a tweet to say you do not need to wear a mask is because the tr uh, the Trump administration told them to put out the message that. 
where you do not need to wear face masks because they'd messed up the um, supply chain and management of masks being delivered from around the world and therefore there there wasn't enough and so to to take away the focus from them having messed this up and put lives at risk they go with a, an easier yeah. option which is just to put a message out from the cdc to say you do not need to wear a mask and the consequences of that you know it's life and death and they and he How does many not Americans care are going to die is the question cc quickly how's how's your your take on it uh uh biden safe pair of hands and that's that's what they they've given it and he is a known quantity um also I think that Republicans in the US are probably more likely to vote for him than they would have done for Bernie Sanders, who would even in this yeah. country be considered socialist. And I think that's why he's there. Will he win? We'll find out, Curtis. Mm. We will indeed. Gentlemen, can I just say thank you for coming on this? I was I was I was terrified of doing it. I hadn't done a podcast for a couple of weeks, but I was a bit terrified of doing another one of this. I've had so much fun. I hope you, the audience, have. This is the first in a trilogy of election specials we're going to be doing. I hope you guys can join us again. We've got another one tomorrow um, and, and we'll find out what the... I don't think we'll find out what the result is until um, Wednesday at the earliest. Just because it's been the most unprecedented turnout since 1906, I believe. So something's happening. We don't know what it is. We'll find out soon enough. But gentlemen, I hope to hear your voices again, your dulcet tones, and see, although the audience can't see it, your beautiful, beautiful heads in my presence <laughs> again before too long. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Global Frequency. I'm CJ Rock. Gentlemen, say goodnight. Good night. Good night. night.